you're about to learn a lot more about how cars get rated for quality. This is AutoLine. Everybody in the auto industry worries about the quality of the cars they make, but exactly which aspects of quality should they be working on? Things gone wrong or things gone right? Or should they be emphasizing new design or reducing all the different build combinations that are possible on a new car? Well, one thing's for sure. Customer expectation of what constitutes quality is changing. What satisfied car buyers a decade ago is not exactly what will satisfy them today. And unless automakers really understand what customers want, they're probably going to put a lot of effort into doing things that are not effective. So to get to the bottom of what car companies need to be doing to boost their quality, my guests on today's program include David Champion from Consumer Reports, David Sargent from J.D. Power & Associates, and Dennis Petrowski from the RDA Group. If you want to learn what it's going to take to boost the quality ratings of cars, don't go away. We'll be back right after this. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. AutoLine Extra, John's Journal, podcasts, and even more. So click over and get the inside view at AutoLineDetroit.tv. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion all about quality in the automotive industry today, starting with David Sargent from J.D. Power, Dennis Piotrowski from RDA Group, more on that in a minute, and with David Champions from Consumer Report. It's great to have you all here on the set of AutoLine. Uh, Dennis, let me start with you. A lot of people, of course, know all about J.D. Power and about Consumer Reports, but they probably do not know about the RDA Group. Give us a thumbnail description of what you do. RDA Group is a market research company. We were founded nearly 40 years ago, coming up uh, next year. And currently we do work um, obviously in the U.S. automotively, but we also do work in up to 38 different countries around the world in tracking studies and uh, really the financial industry and um, professional services. Real good. Well, I just knew people would wonder, so I wanted you to address that right out, uh, from the get-go. But let me throw this out, and I'm going to start with you, David Sargent. Uh, what trends do you see in quality right now? Is there anything that's jumping out at you? Uh, I mean, I know you got reams and reams of right. data, but what's off the top of your mind the most important trend now? There's a number of things, John. One is that quality overall is, is improving. We see it every year. There's about a 5 to 6% improvement in quality. The gap between the imports and the domestics is narrowing, and in some cases is pretty much closed. But also, what people consider quality is changing. In the old days, people were talking about their transmissions breaking, their engines breaking. Now those things tend not to go wrong, and so really we're talking more about fit and finish and a, a more kind of perceived quality. Even though cars still go wrong, consumers are now focused a great deal on the perceived quality of the car, not whether the car goes wrong or not. 
David Champion, how do you see it? Uh, uh, from your vantage point at Consumer Reports, what are the major trends? Again, we're seeing that quality is generally improving on the cars. We look at sort of things gone wrong in our survey, and you know we see the the Japanese manufacturers or the the big, you know, Honda, Toyota, uh, and Subaru as as the major ones in terms of building excellent reliability. But again, you know, Ford this year is is up there with those manufacturers. Uh, GM's sort of somewhere on the you know the mid pack area. Uh, unfortunately, Chrysler, you know, products below are average, yes, below average, and their products, you know, don't do very well in our testing either. Mm -hmm. And we'll come back to that in, in the testing. But I want to get uh, uh, Dennis here to weigh in on what are the quality trends that you see. In general, the quality trends that that we're seeing at this point, the domestics um, definitely are closing the gap. Um, in fact, Ford Motor Company is now statistically equivalent based on a study we've done with over ninety thousand owners and um, GM at initial quality levels is not too far and back even from that standpoint. Uh, and one other aspect of the quality, it's not just um, the things that are going wrong with the vehicles that customers are reporting. More and more it's getting into levels of performance and so the definition of quality is changing, as, as, as you mentioned. It's absolutely. no longer things gone wrong. It can be things gone right it's, and a whole bunch of other exactly. things. Exactly. It's design elements, levels of performance. Um, many items are now entering into the quality equation. T tell me this, though. You know, you, you all mentioned it, mm -hmm. uh, that all oh, the domestics are getting better. I've been hearing that for decades. Boy, they're closing the gap. Uh, you're saying Ford may have closed it completely here, but uh, let's go back to you, uh, David. I would uh, say that both Ford and GM are... In our study, we wouldn't have them statistically equivalent, but they are very, very close to the leading Japanese. They're both better than the industry average. They both have many brands which um, are, are much better than average. They win a number of our awards. So I would say that it really is true that they have, for the most part, caught up. There's a couple of areas where they're still behind, particularly in small cars. Um, but if we look at medium-sized cars, large cars, both Ford and GM are right up with the best of the Japanese. David, do you see it that way? Um, sort of. Okay. Uh, we look at sort of how the car performs in our overall testing. We test about 80-odd cars every year. So the performance aspect, we look at that area. And I must say that um, you know, GM have got some good performing cars at the moment. Um, things like the Arcadia, the Outlook, um, Enclave, the CTS. Unfortunately, in our reliability study, the overall reliability of those vehicles has been way below average. Um, in initial quality, I'd say, yes, they're good. But there's a lot of things, as you said, David, that are you know, not big items like transmissions and um, engines going wrong, but bits of interior trim that drop off, uh, seats that don't fold correctly. Maybe they work for the, about the first six months and then one of them gets jammed so you know, the, the, the owner doesn't really use them that much and then eventually takes them in. So we see you know, really GM suffering a lot from, from those sort of electrical and body hardware, squeaker rattles, items a lot more once the car gets some, some life in it. Um, you know, Ford, the um, uh, Milan and Fusion have been excellent. The MKS, uh, MKZ, that's now the Zephyr, has also been very good uh, in terms of overall reliability and also scores fairly well in our testing. However, they're not exactly the most exciting cars to buy. You know, there's still a, a certain dullness, I think, to the Ford's dullness overall. In what way? 
So sort of the charisma of the car, overall styling, the interior styling especially is sort of somewhat dated and um, doesn't really give you a, uh, as David said, like an impression of, of something that you aspire to, well, to buy. Not that I'm here to defend it, but it is no. the end of cycle and they got a new one coming yes. literally months away. Let's see if they address yeah. your concerns. But Dennis, let me go back to you now. Uh, what are the, if you could sit down to all the automakers, I, I don't want to just concentrate on the big three, where would you be telling them they should be putting their efforts? now okay at, at, at this point more and more as uh, there's there's become more of a parity in basic quality and that's you know freedom from defects more and more it's in uh, more design re related issues having to deal with how difficult something is to use the location the ergonomics absolutely issues in, involving the styling and the, the quality of the interior materials. Mm -hmm. that, that's a key one, I think, isn't it? The materials, because yeah. I, I get in a lot of cars that are nicely styled, nice crisp moldings, very well assembled, and yet it's cheap, hard plastic. I don't like it, no matter how well it's built. Right. You're nodding your head here, too, David. I am too, nodding David. my head, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I would consider that to be showroom quality. It's when That's one of the most important things when someone goes into the showroom to decide whether or not this is a car they want to live with. But one of the first things I do is get inside and you see people doing this with the vehicle. And, and it is that tactile feel. Um, both is the car nice inside, but also it gives a sense as to whether the car overall is of high quality. Just that sense, is this a well-built car? You can get that to a large extent just from sitting in, in the interior and, and getting that feel of solidity. And has this thing been well thought out and well put together? And you see consumers going to the showroom. They have a look at the outside of the car, but then they're immediately inside doing... Sure, because we're all going to be inside right, the car if we buy it. Right. Yeah. I've heard that the door trim panel is actually the single most important mm -hmm. imparter of quality. Is, is that true? Um, I don't know whether it's the single most in, in some of our studies, but, it, but it, it's, very it, high. It is, mm. it's very important along with the whole instrument panel. And also that old sound of the door when right. it closes, mm -hmm. that really gives an impression, is this car built to last or not? Whether that's true or not is another matter, but that's something that consumers really pay attention to. So if you had the car makers down here, where would you say, okay, here's where you guys have really got to be? I'm, I'm not saying just single automakers, but as a trend for the industry, where would you be putting your efforts? I think the, the ease of use of the vehicle. You know, people get in, into a car, they think, wow, this, this looks nice, you know, styling's good. And, then, and yet when they come to use it, maybe the cup holder doesn't hold the cups, and, you know, things go out. There's nowhere to put your cell phone. Things like the, the, the Saturn Sky and Pontiac Solstice, I think, is, you know, a poster child of that. You get in it, there's nowhere to put your keys. There's, you know, the cup holder's back here. And you think, okay, this is, you know, a, $25,000 car that somebody might drive on a daily basis, but it, it's of no use to drive because you've got nowhere to put stuff. You know, we live a lot more of our time in cars, traveling backwards and forwards, taking kids to school, etc. And, and that area of putting stuff and being able to live with it. You know, the, the, um, the Toyota where they put the tuning knob right on the other side. And you know, a lot of the, the, the tactile feel, uh, as has been mentioned, goes into the switches and things like that. But I have to say, you know, probably the, the, the best company that does this is, um, in terms of the feel of materials and everything else, is Volkswagen and Audi. Mm -hmm. And yet, once the customers had one, and found all the perennial problems with window regulators and other aspects of it, you know, they never come back and buy one again. And it's in that... Well, don't say no. No, no, no. But, no. no. <laughs> Not as many as should. Sometimes they've been turned off, yes. you know, because the original showroom appeal and the car feels solid. It feels really high quality. 
And if it goes wrong once, they may be able f to forgive it. If it goes wrong twice, mm, third, fourth, fifth time, you know, in your second, third, fourth, fifth year of ownership, you know, you just forget it. I'm not going to put up with this. Dennis, I got to believe that customers' perception, not perceptions, but their uh, expectations are changing. I mean, as cars get better, I got to believe people expect even more. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, within about a five-year period, and the, one of the studies we do, we actually ask customers, in addition to how many troubles they've experienced with the vehicle, whether the vehicle, overall vehicle quality was better than expected, about what expected, or worse than expected. And in a five-year period, we've seen that in total, across the industry, if you look at the customers who indicated that their vehicle was better than expected, the total TGW level there, in five years, it becomes about what expected. So those expectations just continue to advance. So I, there's almost a danger in making cars mm -hmm. better. People expect them to be even better still. Yeah, well, at the same time, you look at, from an advertising standpoint, nobody comes out and says, here's the new vehicle that um, is, is just as good or almost as good, it's the new and improved. So those, those expectations get raised in the marketplace and in the media, and you know, it, it does get tougher to live up to them. Do you see it the same way then? Exactly what Dennis said, yeah. We, we ask very similar questions, and what we find is that the number of things gone wrong continues to improve, but when you ask people, how do you actually rate the quality of your vehicle, it stays pretty much flat. So the, the, the vehicles are getting better, but how people feel about the quality mm. is pretty much staying the same, which is a kind of different way of saying exactly what Dennis just said. And, and that's probably why J.D. Power does another survey called, or, or uh, I guess survey is the right word, right. Uh, the, the appeal study. Correct. And you're looking at what appeals to people, not just what doesn't appeal to them. And apropos mm -hmm. of what uh, David Champion just said, though, Volkswagen scores really high in appeal. It really does. People who, who buy a new Volkswagen tend to give it very high appeal scores because the design of the vehicle tends to be very strong. The interior is very Beautiful. strong. And people really f feel that in, in the first nine days of ownership that they've really bought a, a very good car. So yeah, Volkswagen scores very well. But to appeal. David's point, it seems like they don't have quite the loyalty that that appeal study might suggest. They historically haven't performed so well in, in initial quality or dependability. Uh, their scores improved actually quite substantially this year, but they are still trailing mm -hmm. a lot of the other major manufacturers that we've talked about. Now, Volkswagen has huge goals to greatly increase their sales. They want to go up fourfold in the U.S. in a relatively short amount of time. What would you tell them they've got to do? What are the specifics they got to do to get enough American consumers, not just to buy it once, but maybe come back right. too. Well, like every manufacturer, they really need to focus on the launch of their new vehicles. Because once a vehicle is launched into the marketplace, it's very difficult to then improve the quality of the vehicle. It's not something you can add into the vehicle afterwards. And obviously with appeal, the, the car is either appealing or not. So we spend an awful lot of time with all of the manufacturers, helping them launch their car properly, helping them with, with the design, with the quality, and even with the launch execution in terms of pricing and what volume expectations they should come up with. So it's really about improving one vehicle at a time. The vehicles are already on the marketplace. There's, there's a limited amount you can do with those. So it's all around the launch, and that's where the manufacturers are pouring most of their money. Mm -hmm. um, you talk to any of them, the domestics, the, the imports, they're all talking about, we have to improve our quality one launch at a time, and that's exactly In fact, what now what they're telling me is they want to launch at better quality than they ended the old model, which in the old days, you'd never even have that kind yeah. of expectation. And some of them are managing that, not, not consistently, mm -hmm. but there have been some vehicles, the new Malibu is a good example. Mm -hmm. The quality of the new Malibu is 
night and day compared with the, the previous version. The new Silverado launched very well. Ford is launching some vehicles um, very well, often with better quality than, than the predecessors and some of the Japanese as well. So it, it is possible, but it's getting it right time after time, really understanding what the customer wants. Um, kind of getting outside eyes to look at the vehicle. Too often, the engineers decide how the vehicle should be, and there's not enough input from, from consumers or independent um, companies like ours. Mm -hmm. um, so we spend a lot of time helping the manufacturers understand what it is the consumers are going to want from that vehicle and helping them to, to implement that, as I say, on every single launch. So. David, you drive a lot of different mm -hmm. cars. So in addition to consumer reports, publishing, it's, it's quality ratings. You're looking at uh, other things, too, and uh, talk a little bit about that, because you might get in a car that's very well built, but maybe you don't like it that much. So what specifically are you looking for in cars these days? Um, we go out and buy 80 or 90 cars every year. Um, I get to drive a different car every day, which might sound like a lot of fun to do. Uh, until you leave your house key in one of the cars and get home and then realize you can't get in the house. Um, but, you know, driving all these different cars really gives you a perception of where cars are going. And our testing is, um, we do over 50 different tests and evaluations on every car that comes in. And everything's tested in isolation to each other. So, you know, a brake test will be done by a certain person that's different to maybe one doing the handling tests, et cetera. And then we compile all those, uh, all those test scores into the overall rating. So we see cars. But one of the interesting things that we have, we have many manufacturers come out and visit us at the track. And all the cars we've actually bought anonymously from local dealers, so they're not sort of prototype cars. But all the engineers will come out. They'll be all over the competitors' cars. And you wonder, you know, are they not seeing all these cars? You know, you know, we've had the car for maybe three, four, five months like that. And, oh, it's the first time we see one of these. Oh, look what they've been doing here. And I think to break out of that mold and see what everybody else is doing and really live with the cars. You know, I worked for car manufacturers and, and found that, you know, to actually get a car on an overnight assessment was like pulling teeth because they thought it was some sort of favor. But the engineers and the people designing the cars really need to live with them on a day-to-day -day basis to be able to understand how those cars will work in everyday life and really understand where the competition is and where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Dennis, uh, you mentioned earlier that statistically your surveys show that Ford's essentially even Steven with Toyota Honda. What's Ford been doing to raise that? Actually, a few of the things that they've been doing, they've, they've had a very disciplined approach to their launches. They've, they've been going out and uh, pre-launch placing vehicles to get some early feedback because, as, as David mentioned, once the vehicle is launched, it's too late. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've really taken extra care, extra steps, and worked harder to design the quality in. I would imagine, too, that with automakers trying to commonize platforms, commonize components, only change sheet metal or other minor interior, I shouldn't say minor, but you know, not trying to redesign the car from the ground up has got to help with their quality. Absolutely. The other thing that I think um, not just Ford, but the other domestic manufacturers are all working toward is simplifying the number of build configurations. Mm -hmm. And through that simplification, obviously, they have fewer areas of potential fault. Yeah, what a concept. The Japanese have only yeah. been doing this since forever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it took to catch on when manufacturing guys scream about, mm -hmm. don't give us complexity. Right. Yeah, at the same time, they have to balance it with certain products because, you know, it, for instance, uh, full-size pickups. 
There are numerous engine configurations. There's, there's a lot of different uses for those products. So they still have to balance the number of configurations that they have, but at the same time, reduce it to a reasonable level um, and obviously, it gives them great cost advantage as well. No question about it. But I mean, we've seen recently, and I think Ford with the F-150 is an example, they've greatly reduced the, the build combinations. But it's still, I think, in the tens of thousands. It, it, it's just mind-blowing to me. You guys must see the same thing, too, in, in simple cars versus more complex cars. We do. And I think one of the challenges for the manufacturer is to make the car appear all new to the consumer while still using a lot of common components and a lot of manufacturers including the domestics will have multiple vehicles which are essentially the same architecture and how do you make them different enough that the consumer will perceive them as completely different vehicles whereas in fact 80% of the components are exactly the same right. and manufacturers spend obviously a lot of time doing that just with styling tweaks and different materials but the fundamental vehicle is the same but certainly um, the high volume simple vehicles with the minimum number of derivatives do tend to perform better in the studies, as you would expect. What, what are, what's a good way to differentiate cars, David, do you think? If you're sharing uh, platforms and the like, whether it's from one brand to the other or another car company to another? I think it's got to be style. I think if you've got the basic architecture of the vehicle right, you've got the engine transmission, you know, electrical system all working well, um, you know, the, the easiest thing to do then is to do you know, front and rear treatments and maybe some different interior colors. Um, I think that's about as far as, as you want to go. The more that you diverge from that, um, you know, now we've got on the Lambda platform, we have the Arcadia Outlook on, uh, Enclave and now the new Traverse. So there's four vehicles, basically, that all use same engine, same transmission, um, front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. But they've done, I think, <coughs> a reasonably good job Very of good. differentiating these things. Very I mean, good. the Buick's totally different from the Chevy mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. I, I thought they did a pretty good job there. They, they, they did, and, and the overall car is a very good car. Uh, unfortunately, some of the, you know, the interior trim transmission was also a little, I know they've done about three or four uh, transmission software upgrades to try and make it shift a little bit more responsively and stop hunting quite as much. Uh, again, you know, that's possibly something that should have been done ahead of the launch of the vehicle. And as they've said, you, know, you look at the Ford Focus, it was a great car when it came out in 2001, but the reliability was appalling. Mm -hmm. And They had I eight recalls or six, I can't remember. They had a number of recalls right off the bat. Yep, and that car's never really recovered from that reputation. Well, I don't know, they can't build them fast enough today. Yes. Right? That's got maybe yeah. more to do with gas prices or yes. where they were earlier in the year. But, but. but once you get a bad reputation with a car, it's very difficult to get it back. Yeah. And it's easy gonna, to lose it. <laughs> so hard to build and so easy to lose. Correct. We're gonna have to wrap up this discussion right now, but we're gonna leave these cameras rolling. We're gonna go to the internet later on. But I wanna thank all three of you for sticking around for the broadcast version. Great discussion. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion on what it takes to boost the quality ratings of cars. And if you like hearing all our talk about quality, there's even more on our website with my three guests. You can find it in the extra section at autolinedetroit.tv. And while you're there, you'll also be able to watch our new webcast called AutoLine Daily. We've got all the latest news there on the global automotive industry, and it's updated every weekday in an easy-to-watch five-minute video format. Please join me again next week when we give you a front-row seat on what's going on in the auto industry.